Take one modern lady mixed with classic sensibilities and a keen eye on what's news. A fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, Kelsey Bowler, exclusively at Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad you're with us. Um, In my monologue, I talk about all the strange goings-ons around the planet. Certainly seem to be um, living in a day in which up, up, up seems down a lot of times, and uh, backwards seems forward, all, all the rest of it. And all you have to do to really get a feel for that is understand uh, what is happening uh, in the area of detransitioners. Uh, Kelsey Bowler rejoins us, uh, and she has been on this topic since the production of her documentary went into full-scale uh, mode just uh, last year sometime. Uh, but she has a new piece at the Federalist uh dot com that is that is really worth reading and kelsey we we talked about this before the end of the year as to how you know i asked you i said well you know how how's the overall fight and you're like kevin it's getting worse instead of getting better and there's a new kind of evidence of that in that medical professionals you assert um are basically abandoning uh the people that they helped transition uh why why are they saying that this is happening and what difference does it make to those that are trying to detransition now? Yeah, Kevin, thanks for talking about this. It's probably one of the most tragic stories that I've reported on in my many years as a journalist. And that's the case of Prisha Mosley, who is a female detransitioner. You and I have spoken about her before. Uh, she has a long history of very serious mental health illnesses. Despite that, instead of treating her mental health conditions, doctors fast-tracked her on the transgender assembly line, putting her on testosterone when she was 17 years old and moving forward with a double mastectomy as soon as she turned 18. No surprise, just a few short years later, she came to regret all of this, and she's now suffering severe medical and mental health complications because of it. She is going down her insurance providers list, trying to find doctors to help treat the very serious complications she's facing. And she is getting turned down one doctor to the next. She says, I can call doctors every day and just get hung up on. Nobody can help me. She feels like a medical monster. And it really just exposes the experimental nature of so-called gender-affirming care because doctors are so enthusiastically pushing minors down this route of cross-sex hormones, which do not have long-term studies on their side effects. They're enabling them to get irreversible surgeries. And then when or should they change their minds, these same providers are not there to offer them any care to re-regulate their bodies, to try to get their lives back. Prisha not only is in medical disarray, but her mental health is really suffering. And on top of it, all her medical costs are bankrupting her. She can hardly, she's a student in Michigan now, she can hardly afford her basic health insurance. She no longer wants to treat her physical body without taking care of her mind, her mental illnesses first. And she has found a specialized kind of therapy that has helped her. Each of her therapy sessions cost her nearly $100. It has completely bankrupt her. So she's totally bankrupt and medically abandoned. It is, it is so tragic. And 
doctors really need to answer for why they're putting minors down this path when they refuse to be there for them should they need help coming out of it. I know that uh, Governor Nome in uh, South Dakota just signed a bill this week that makes it the law that they, they will not do gender uh, reassignments uh, on kids or uh, I think puberty blockers or hormones uh, for kids in that state. But are we seeing other public offices step up and say, not on our watch, we're not, we're not doing this? Unfortunately, you're seeing red and blue states act predictably, where thankfully red states are finally stepping up. They're not afraid of entering this battle because I think we have done a good job of exposing the medical harms uh, that these types of drugs and procedures are inflicting on children. But blue states are moving the exact opposite direction. I mean, not only are they working to, uh, you know, California is making itself a, a sanctuary state where children can go there to receive these types of drugs and so-called gender-affirming care without their parents' permission, um, but states all across the country are trying to prevent parents from even having the basic right to be involved in conversations regarding their child's mental health when issues of gender confusion come up in school. This is completely atrocious. Unfortunately, it's happening in my own home state of Virginia where I have young kids. This is something I now have to be worried about when I send them to school. If they ever express any confusion about their gender identity, the teacher has no obligation to report that to me. And this is why we have a case, you know, where a girl in Virginia ended up being sex trafficked and totally abused because the mother didn't know she was, her, her daughter was suffering this type of gender confusion. So she didn't even have the opportunity to help. It's severing the most basic fundamental ties between parent and child and atrocious that anyone would want to cut parents out of these important mental health and medical decisions involving their children. Yeah, it's it, well, it, it seems um, I mean, separating parents and kids in, in the public, at least in America, has always been like the third rail. You, you just don't you don't touch mm -hmm. it. You, there's too much electricity going through it. There's something about the the new left that seems very eager not to just even go there, but to try to drive a wedge between parents and children in ways that are far more bold and more um, open and belligerent than anything that we've seen in the past. And you really have to compare it to Marxist states uh, like the former Soviet states when it comes to this, because, uh, you know, they were very invested in separating the children from the parents and making the children believe that they were objects of the state and not uh, children of parents who love them. We're, we're headed down that path. It, it looks like, at least on the political left right now. Right. You know, some people might say that sounds like conspiracy theorists, but that's not the case. We see this calculated attempt uh, for the state, the government, to take control of our children, to even let children be in control of themselves when, you know, we don't allow them to get tattoos or buy alcohol, uh, but we somehow think that they're capable of consenting to drugs that could sterilize themselves um, for their entire lifetime to come. It's very sad. It's very calculated. It's good to see red state lawmakers stepping up, moving to protect children. Uh, one interesting trend in, in regards to the parental rights piece of it, 
in, in, in the left wanting to keep this a secret from parents is that even the medical authorities, the organizations, which are completely corrupt, but behind so-called gender affirming care, they do maintain that parents should be involved. And yet these politicians and activists are still pushing forward these policies that that deny parents that basic right to be in the know about what's happening to their children in school. That's so insane. Well, Kelsey, uh, good job on all the reporting that you've done. Uh, We'll continue to follow it uh, through your work and appreciate your uh, report today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. You got it. All right, uh, Kevin McCullough, when we come back, uh, if you have an athlete as uh, a child uh, and they were vaccinated for COVID, there is a very stunning new survey that seems to indicate that they may be at much higher risk of myocarditis than previously thought. Uh, Emerald Robinson joins us uh, next to discuss that. Stay here.